Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Baseball is back. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on opening day, baby. Thursday, March yeah. 30th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we'll run through our Tout Wars winning bids. It was a big night because uh, I know, Scott, you drafted in early March, so a 15-team league. A lot has changed since then, so we'll take a look at mm-hmm. our winning bids and players that we dropped. We'll talk week one sleepers for the four-day period and the 11-day period, so whether or not you play in a roto style where you're just setting it for the week, uh, for the weekend, or in a long head-to-head matchup, we've got you covered. And what to watch early in the season, what matters, what doesn't. Chris, I know you have an article out, uh, what to pay attention to on opening day, so we can hit on some of that. And five emails in five minutes. How much of that will we get to? I don't know. Before we get started, make sure to like this video, leave a comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. But alas, guys, we did it. Opening day. Every team is in action. It's over. It's over. <laughs> in fact, it's just <laughs> getting started. Our work here is done. <laughs> oh, man. People might be wondering, you know, what happens in season. So I guess we should probably... Give a little bit of a heads up. We're, we're going to go, we're still going to go live Sunday through Thursday night, but it's actually probably going to be Monday through Friday morning because it's going to be around midnight, 1230 Eastern time. We kind of wait for the West Coast games to start winding down, but we'll go live. I mean, maybe it'll be sooner. With the rule changes, you know, these games could be wrapping up by like 1230, hopefully. So like, that would be amazing. We can- we could start recording before midnight. The problem is, here's how it always before starts. Midnight. It always starts out like, oh, yeah, 11. And then like May, it's like, yeah, 1145. And then by July, it's like we're starting at one in the morning. You know, we were actually better last year with consistency. We were aiming for midnight and we never quite hit midnight, but we were pretty consistent. Yeah. Like Conan O'Brien style, 1235 a.m. <laughs> start time. Look, admittedly, there's a lot going on every night, so uh, I probably jam-packed the rundown because that's just the MO, but, uh, you know, I don't want to miss anything. I want to look into every pitcher's velocity and all that kind of fun stuff, so we'll have you covered. Uh, We'll talk about the player of the night. We'll have waiver ads, players to drop, all the latest news. We'll play with some fun segments, daily streamers, weekly previews, two-star pitchers, all that fun stuff, Uh, and that will be... Starting tomorrow night, we'll be uh, recapping all of opening day, and it's it's going to be fun. Chris, I feel like you usually have some fun kind of traditions that you're into. Uh, what do you got planned opening day? I'm going to the Yankees game. Look I'm at this guy. Big Mariano fan. Rivera. Hey, New York City, baby. Let's go Yankees. <laughs> hey, Mike and the Mad Dog. It's one of my favorite uh, things that you do. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that that accent is quite on point. Gonna but. go, gonna go see Mariano throw out the first pitch. Hey, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm walking here. What, what are you gonna do about it? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm going up to to the Bronx, see the uh, the my, my beloved Bombers take on the Giants on opening day. I'm really excited. I'm gonna be way up in the nosebleeds, uh, and it's gonna be great. And then I'm going to going to the 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 Eno Saris two halves brewing event after that it's gonna be a jam-packed baseball day looking forward to it if you're gonna be there say hi 
Well, two things there, Chris. Make sure to dress warm because it's going to be cold. Yeah, it's going to be cold. The higher yeah. you are in Yankee Stadium, I mean, oh yeah, it's going to be you, miserable. You get blasted by the wind, so it that is quite bad. Mm. Obviously, the game will be fun, but weather not so much. Uh, I I kind of feel like there's a cha- there's at least a 30% chance you just don't make it to the podcast tomorrow night. <laughs> like. We'll see. You know, it's going to be a long day. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be here. All right. I'm going to be here. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. That's the plan. Scott, what do we got going for opening day? Anything crazy? Watching the Braves, mm. chilling out? Well, I'm deciding when I need to wake up to get my lineups set in time. <laughs> that's, that's always fun because, of course, you got the last-minute IL designations pouring in, which I'm sure everybody listening is freaking out about their injured players not being on the IL yet. It's, it happens every year. I'm sorry. I wish it was different, but this, you know, the teams don't have to do it until they mm-hmm. are ready to play basically. So yeah, that's, that's a frustration. So yeah, deciding when to wake up, going to pick up, got to, got to figure out when to pick up my kids from school still, but the Braves are one of the two games one of the first two games, one of the 105 games. Yeah. So I'm going to try and get them in front of the TV to watch a little baseball with me. Hope they make it more than an inning. We'll see. <laughs> you know, I, I got one bone to pick with the schedulers. Only one 7 o'clock game. We got like 11 games starting between 1 and 4 on the East Coast. And then I think it's just the Astros home opener. That's right. Astros, White Sox at seven and then three 10 o'clock games. Don't love that scheduling, you know? I, I think there's a pretty fair explanation, Chris. I think they just kind of want to give the Astros their flowers yeah. on opening day, obviously winning the World Series. So they give them all the attention and, uh, you know, they'll be in prime time there on ESPN. Framber Valdez going up against Dylan C. So I think that's the reasoning, but I don't disagree. Even worse than that is that the second day of the season, we only have five games. I understand why they do it for rainout purposes and that, but it's it's just annoying because A, there's only five games. B, there's no day games. The second day of the season. It's kind of frustrating. So, uh, But anyway, yeah. positivity, positive vibes. Let's talk about opening day and uh, let's get into our Tout Wars winning bids. And uh, I'll actually start us off here. Playing a 12-team head-to-head points Tout Wars format with Roto-style lineups. So two catchers, five outfielders, a corner, a middle, seven starting pitchers, and two relief pitchers. So I have Rodon, Musgrove. I also drafted Luis Severino before he got hurt. So it's going to be a pretty rough start to the season. I also dropped uh, Bailey Ober because he got sent down to the minors by the Twins. This is a $1,000 fab budget. And the players that I added were Josiah Gray for 53 so roughly 5% of my budget. Ryan Pepio for $34. Seth Lugo for 13 He's got a good start over the weekend. Rockies on the road. And uh, Blake Sable. Let's go, Scotty. I got a little... Yeah, uh, Team Sable over here. Team Sable, $23 for him. So I spent uh, uh, right around 115 bucks, something like that. So about 11% of my budget is gone. Scott spent a lot more money. Uh, so oh, looking, yes, I did. Looking forward to yes, that. Yes, I did. Uh, Blake Sable only has outfield eligibility for now. I've got Christian Betancourt as my second catcher. So there's a chance that uh, if Sable plays enough catcher, he'll just kind of work his way into uh, that spot for me. Yeah, and, uh, yeah he is catcher, by the way, on CBS, but he is yeah. not <clears throat> Tau Wars. Uh, he's supposed to be in the lineup for the Giants on opening day, as I understand it, in the outfield. And, uh, I, you know, he started at catcher their last spring game. He's going to play some catcher, so he'll eventually pick up eligibility there. But um, it seems like mostly left field and DH for Sable, so it's better when he comes in with the catcher eligibility already. But but for a two-catcher league, uh, I w- I'd be pretty excited to pick him up at this point. Blake Sable, in the lineup on opening day, mm-hmm. left-handed batter going up against Garrett Cole. Just saying. Yankee Stadium, anything can happen. I love how I'm talking about Garrett Cole like he's uh, Josiah Gray. Like, he's just really? automatically going to give up a home run. Other than Josiah Gray, he gave up the most home runs last year. That is true. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on my bids here? Josiah Gray for about 5%. Ryan Pepio for 3 Seth Lugo for 1% and Blake Sable for 2%. I think those all make sense. I think uh, I'm pretty skeptical of Pepio. I don't think Seth Lugo is going to give you too much, but they're low dollar bids early on, so it's hard to complain too much about them. Um, 
And I think Sable is a is a nice sneaky one to to try to get in there. Yeah. My top bid was actually for Graham Ashcraft. I'm I'm buying in. I'm I'm with Scott here. I'm I'm on the train. I'm on the yeah, Ashcraft train. Team Ashcraft. But I didn't get him. I put I had an $88 bid in, and uh, Joe Galina won him for $117. Uh, my buddy Joe Galina. Actually, fun fact: my first gig in radio was with Joe Galina. So, you know, we go back quite a ways. And uh, nice little bid there on Graham Ashcraft. Wish I could have picked him up myself, but I missed out. Scott, let's move over to your Tout Wars team again. This is a 15-team five by five roto. Also, $1,000 fab budget. Not anymore for you. Let's put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. You drafted this team back in the first week of March, correct? I did. I did draft it in the first week of March, and I, I have a lot of injuries. Some of those were known when I drafted, and I just took advantage of the discounts, recognizing that in Tout Wars, uh, unlike in TGFBI, let's say, there are IL spots, and the people running these leagues will actually slot the players in ahead of time if you need to. So you know, it's not a situation where uh, I don't know if I can pick up a player because I don't know that they're going to be on, on the IL in time for the lineup lock. I know they're going to be on the IL for the lineup block. So that gave me the freedom to pick up a lot more players, but it also left me with a lot of needs. If, if you remember back when we were recapping my Tau Wars draft, um, I only had five outfielders on the entire roster. One was Fernando Tatis, who obviously I can't use right away. One was Alex Kirilov, who I also I can't use right away. So I, I don't have, I only have 60 percent of my outfield i only had 60 percent of a starting outfield going into week one prior to this this run of fab so um and then also i had lance mccullers i had tony gonsolin i had rice iglesias i had some pitcher needs too i I basically had to fill for sure i could i could not about two pitchers and two outfielders in this first run of fab and um fortunately I got my top two choices of both. Well, why don't you reveal those choices, Scott? Who'd you get? <laughs> so I spent 60% of my budget here in the first <laughs> run of fab. Love it. 60% out the window. But unlike, you know, I think I spent 40% of that first run of TGFBI that we talked about earlier in the week. I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty happy with the way things shook out. So I, I got... And, re- and reminder, this is a 15-team league, so I'm sure most of you listening don't play in a league that deep. Might sound weird that I'm spending this much on these players, but you have to put it in that context. Uh, Graham Ashcraft for 133, my top choice of pitcher. Uh, Jerks and Profar for 133, top choice of outfielder. And it's a lot of money to spend on those players. I will point out, David Robertson went to somebody else for 273. Derek Hall went to somebody else for 255. So, and there will be plenty of times this year where people drop like $300 on a player. So I, I, I actually kind of feel like the prices are pretty reasonable. Like just, just in the context of all of the players who are going to be purchased off fab over the course of the season, the quality of the players versus the amount you have to spend to get them is more reasonable for this first run than any others. I, I don't know if people just tend to hang back, but like there's been more time for talent to accumulate for this first run than any other run we're going to have all year. So like, I I can't imagine there's going to be a pitcher I'm much more excited about at any point this season than I am about Graham Ashcraft right now. And a hitter specifically an outfielder who I feel is going to be as useful uh, as jerks and profile with the Rockies in an OBP league, no less is so. Okay. So Graham Ashcraft, 133 jerks and profile one, 133 Jared Schuster for 93. Beat Mike Gianella, defending champion Mike Gianella, $1 by $1 to get Jared Schuster for 93 That's crazy. Kerry Carpenter for 67 was the other outfielder. Uh, that That's the bid where maybe I think there was only one other $1 bid on it. So I, I probably went too aggressively on that one. I would have been just as happy with Eddie Rosario, who was also out there. But Kerry Carpenter is the one I've got. Fine. You know, should have good power. Hopefully plays enough for the Tigers. So those were the meeting the needs bids. I also got Elahiris Montero for $83. Hopefully the Rockies everyday third baseman coming off a big spring. Adam Adovino for $53, who I actually think is going to be at least in a 50-50 timeshare with David Robertson and maybe more. So I'd, I'd much rather have Adam Adovino for 53 than you know the guy who bought David Robertson for 273 
And then Blake Sable, Team Sable over here. Yeah. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree. $37. Complaining that it, it, another outfield need met potentially, but the hope is eventually I'll be able to slot him in as a catcher. And we had a note about the Mets closing situation on Wednesday. Buck Walter said he will not name a closer going into the season. He did specifically mention David Robertson as having the quote strongest background for the job but also mentioned Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley, and Drew Smith as players who could also see save opportunities. So I think my guess is that David Robertson will see the first save opportunity, mm-hmm. but I agree that he probably should not go for $200 more in fab. I mean, I get why he did, given the background, but you know, with this report, probably shouldn't have happened, in my opinion. Um, you know... Kerry Carpenter, Chris, that was someone that you picked up the other day, too, in uh, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. That's another 15-team league. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of confused at that time. I'm like, why are you guys picking up Kerry Carpenter? I looked into the spring. I mean, it, it was a good spring. 17 for 51, 333 batting average, three homers, a 940 OPS. And he's a left-handed bat in Comerica where they just made changes to the ballpark, hopefully helping left-handed power. So uh, I kind of get it, and he has some pop. But uh, yeah, upon, upon looking into the spring, makes a little bit more sense on Kerry Carpenter. Yeah, 36 home runs, I think, across three levels between the minors and the majors last season. Uh, six in 31 games. He wasn't great last season in the majors, but I mean, that's a that's a 30 homer pace if you paced it out. You know, there are questions about his defense. There are questions about uh, platoon abilities, but I you know, in, in a deep league like that, I think Kerry Carpenter's got enough of a, a standout skill and power to to be worth a look. And his final 20 games with the Tigers last year, 282 with four of those home runs and 850 OPS. So he, he seemed like he settled in a little better after a slow start. Now, the exit velocity readings aren't that good for mm-hmm. Kerry Carpenter, despite yep. the big home run total over the course of the season. And it's a really... They, they moved in the fences in right center. Um, but still, Kerry Carpenter being a left-handed hitter in that ballpark, you know, there, there's there's a lot of reason for skepticism here. Yep. But mm-hmm. for a waiver wire outfielder in a five outfielder, fifteen team league, like I, I think it's reasonable to to make a play for him at this point. And the bid on Graham Ashcraft, one hundred thirty three dollars. You know, some people listening might look might sound like a lot, but again, he went for one seventeen. In my Towers League, that's a 12-team league. And you got him for 133, so... He went for 191 in mine, which is right. a innings pitched uh-huh. instead of wins and uh, saves and holds instead of saves. So I don't think it's like the format's necessarily going to help him too much. I mean, I, I, I would guess but, any pitcher on the Reds is probably a better bet in an innings pitched than wins. Uh, but, yeah, probably. You know, he's probably not going to give 180 innings this season. But here's the thing. Like, so so we went for 191 in yours, Chris, 117 in yours, Frank. I got him for 133. The second bid, the runner-up bid in my league for Graham Ashcraft was $35. So, that's, I mean, this is... Yeah. This is what we were, when we're last time we were talking about fab, like just the randomness of it. Just mm-hmm. like it, it just yeah. seems like people are throwing numbers out there and hoping for the best because there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of consensus behind any of these bids. Which I like, knew I really wanted them, so I yeah. tried to bid enough to ensure I got them. You know, it was $97 more than I had to bid, but whatever. I, like I said, I don't think there's going to be. A and starting pitcher call like a starting pitcher emerge on the waiver wire who I'm more excited about than I am Graham Ashcraft right now. Like maybe Yuri Perez gets the call for the Marlins at some point, but yeah, it would probably be about equal my enthusiasm level because that's that's how I'm excited I am about Ashcraft right I mean, now. And Gr- and Yuri Grayson Perez Rodriguez would probably too. go for three hundred twenty five dollars or something. Chris, you said Grayson Rodriguez. I'm guessing he was drafted. Yeah, he's probably yeah, yeah. But you know, in a lot of leagues, he's going to end up getting dropped. Right, for sure. Um, would you guys like to guess how much the backup bid for uh, my Josiah Gray was? I got him for 53. Either zero or 52. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Zero. That would be zero. <laughs> yeah, zero. The backup was zero. So uh, yeah. well, it is what it is. I, I like what I saw from Josiah Gray this spring. Bad team, but hopefully uh, he can take that step forward. Chris, mm-hmm. you had some uh, you had some fab run here on 
Wednesday night as well in your Tout Wars League. Remind people the differences. It, you said it was innings pitched over wins, saves plus holds over saves. Yeah. Uh, did you 12 win? team, five yeah. by five, uh, innings pitched instead of wins, saves plus holds instead of saves, and OBP instead of average. Uh, I actually didn't get anyone in this run. Mm. Ashcraft went for 191. I went way lower than that. Uh, and then I did put a big bid on Anthony Volpe. Ooh. 355, I believe that was the second highest, but he ended up going for 501, wow. 502 in that draft because yeah. this was one was that we did out there. That yeah, this was one that we did two or three weeks ago. You know, I think this was middle of Feb or middle of March, so it was. Uh, the, you know, he wasn't viewed as likely to make the make the roster. So yeah, that was the that was I, the I biggest one. Jeff Bogus got him for 502. Ah, uh, Jeff Bogus, he's a. He's, he he tends to he tends to play it fast and loose when it comes and, to and this sort of thing. It's worth noting uh, throughout this conversation, uh, there are zero dollar bits. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. With a thousand dollar budget, so so you don't have to like if you run out of fab dollars, it's not like you're done making pickups. Yeah. So you can you can be yeah. a little more reckless. And I I think in the case of Anthony Volpe, who you know we're we're basically saying he's a top one hundred player. At least that seems to be the consensus view right now. Um, it totally makes sense if you don't have if you don't have to keep a reserve of fab bids mm-hmm. to last you the whole season. I think it totally makes sense to blow half your budget on him. And it's an OBP league. We we think he's going to be a little better in that format anyway. So yeah, I I, I, I mean, I, look, I put thirty six percent of my budget out there, and that was the second highest. So you know, I was willing to to drop a lot on him. And you know, if I had known, I would have definitely beat it if I had you know, <laughs> had the foresight. Chris, were there any other players you tried to bid on? It was just those two. I'm in I'm in decent shape there. All right, fair enough. Well, let's take our first break and when we get back some news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. As March turns to April, the madness continues, and the Ion College Basketball Podcast has you covered with this crazy Final Four of FAU, San Diego State, Miami, and UConn. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will drop a mega Final Four preview and then hit Houston for all the news and nightly recaps from the scene. Can't get enough College Hoops Madness? Download and follow Ion College Basketball wherever podcasts are found. Let's get into some news and notes. And we got a great update on Wednesday as Liam Hendricks is responding well to treatment and will be placed on the 15-day IL rather than the 60-day IL to begin the season. So I also read that Hendricks has mentioned wanting to return by June. It doesn't mean that that's going to happen, but and it's really hard to say what will happen next in a situation like this, but obviously really good news and the possibility that we could see Liam Hendricks at some point this season. Chris, he is 41% rostered on CBS if you have an IL spot, I think you absolutely should 100%. add Liam Hendricks right now. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we don't know whether he's going to come back. Obviously, that is not the most important thing as he recovers from uh, was uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Correct. Diagnosis. Um, you know, that that's much more important. But the fact that he seems to be responding well, the fact that he was in camp. You know, I remember in late February, I saw like one report that he had thrown a bullpen session and then nothing, which, you know, makes sense. This is not a situation where the White Sox are going to give updates because it's, you know, not 
an elbow sprain. You know, this is a much more serious issue that that gets into privacy and health concerns. Um, but like I started drafting him in a few leagues, just like one gives me something to root for. And two, it's like, there's a chance that he's going to be able to play this year. You know, you remember Carlos Carrasco in 2019, I think his diagnosis actually came and it was a different illness, but uh, his diagnosis actually came after a few starts. I think it was like at the end of May and he was able to come back a couple of months later, pitched out of the bullpen. Um, so, you know, that that's, it. it's awesome news. And, and if you've got the, the roster spot and the IL spot to play with, should absolutely pick up Liam Hendricks. He's one of the two or three best closers in baseball when he's right. Yeah, and w- just an ambassador of the game, too. Genuinely great person and, and fun player to root for, too. So. And one of the most fun players to have mic'd up during the All-Star game. <laughs> absolutely. Because they just can't actually use any of the audio because he curses after every <laughs> single pitch. It's one of my favorite recurring bits of the All-Star game every year. So would love to see him get back in there this year. That is Liam Hendricks, 41% rostered on CBS, sending good vibes your way. Juan Soto is officially good to go on opening day after recently battling an oblique injury. Good news for you, Scotty. I know you've got a lot mm, of shares. I think I got I think I've got five between the 13 leagues, five Sotos. Hope that hope that oblique holds on for my NL MVP pick. I mentioned the note earlier about the Mets closing situation. What about the Marlins? Manager Skip Schumacher. Schumacher? Shoemaker. I think it's Shoemaker. Skip Schumacher. It's Schumacher. Schumacher. I know the comment is Schumacher. Mm. Okay. Mm. Skip Schumacher. The The former... Joel Schumacher. The former Angels pitcher was Shoemaker. But that was a different spelling. Matt Shoemaker. Yeah. So... I always thought he was going to be good. It never really worked out. Well, anyway, he mentioned that Tanner Scott, AJ Puck, and Dylan Floro will be, quote, in the mix for closing situations to begin the season. And I thought it was interesting that he omitted the name Matt Barnes. He was not one of the three, or I guess that would have made it four, uh, but not one of the names mentioned. So uh, yeah. to start, Tanner Scott, AJ Puck, and Dylan Floro. And and, and he did mention Puck. Yeah, which, mm-hmm. as he I should. Mean, if, anybody, if anybody's going to take it and run with it, I mean, Puck's, Puck's the best one. Yeah, and I wound up with him on my main event team as my fourth reliever. I've got him, McGuff, Kyle Finnegan, and Jordan Romano. So... I feel pretty good about that yeah. that group of there four are right some, there. I don't know if it's in the news and notes here, but there are there are there seem to be some loose indicators that uh, Scott McGuff is going to get the first crack at the ninth inning job for the Diamondbacks, which is how I was leaning for most of spring training, really since he started pitching. But um, he worked the ninth inning, I believe, in their last spring training game, and just the yeah. way. Tori Lovulo, Lovulo. How do you say, I, I never know how to say his it, name. Tori Lovulo, Lo, right? Lovulo. You had it right the first Lovulo. time. Lovulo. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the way I was talking about him after the game, it seemed like he was kind of tipping his hand that direction, which is a mixed metaphor, right? Tipping <laughs> his hand that direction. Anyway. It, was, uh, it wasn't just that he p- pitched the ninth inning and closed out that game, Scott. He actually picked up a save in a one-run uh, one run game at the time, Scott McGuffin. There you go. In their final spring training game. So I would be leaning that way as well mm-hmm. in the D backs bullpen. Speaking of the Marlins from earlier, Brian De La Cruz is expected to receive the bulk of reps as the third outfielder for the team, meaning that Jesus Sanchez will start off on the bench. Fourth outfielder, De La Cruz, 34% rostered. Scott, should that number be higher? I mean, he was one of my favorite sleepers going into draft prep season. It, like I was basically he and he and Lars Newtbar were basically on equal footing for me, and we saw how much Lars Newtbar's stock increased while Brian De La Cruz's plummeted because it looked like he was going to be a fourth outfielder or even a minor leaguer. Yeah. So it he didn't really do much of anything this spring, and considering all the players that did and limited roster space, I guess that has to count for something, but certainly in a five outfielder league, I'd, I'd want to make sure De La Cruz is rostered now that they're saying, Oh, he is going to be our primary left fielder because uh, obviously spring sample is small and not especially significant. And everybody seemed to like him early on. Yeah. I would say, especially in leagues where you have an outfielder that you're going to throw on the IL, like a say a Suzuki or someone like mm-hmm. that. 
go and check and see if Brian De La Cruz is available in your league. The Twins have already announced their starting lineup versus Zach Greinke on opening day. That includes Max Kepler leading off, followed by Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Trevor Larnick, Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, Joey Gallo, Christian Vasquez, and Michael A. Taylor. We got a tweet asking about Trevor Larnick, who is a former prospect. He had a great spring as well. He hit 351 with four homers and 1130 OPS and just a 17.5% strikeout rate. The strikeouts are, that's a big key. That's something to watch early in the season with Trevor Larnick. But Chris, any interest? You know, it would have to be five outfielders, maybe a deeper type league, but Trevor Larnick batting cleanup against right-handed pitching. Yeah, definitely not in a 12 outfielder league, at least to start. 12, you know, Trevor Larnick. 12 team league, Chris. He's a 12, 12, 12 team league. Outfielder 12 league. outfielder league. probably league. be My in gosh. the discussion. Um, you know, he, he, Trevor Larnick, at least so far in his major league career, kind of answers the question, what if Joey Gallo was worse? Um, so, like, I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence in him. But, you know, maybe guys are always tinkering. Talent isn't static. So it's entirely possible that, you know, he, he does have pop. So we'll see. You know, I'm, it would have to be a 15-teamer, though. I've got yeah, him he in the... He, was, go ahead, he was third in my outfield priority and or I guess fourth behind Jerkson Profar, Kerry Carpenter, Eddie Rosario, all four of whom I already mentioned. And then next was Trevor Larnick as I was looking to fill those two outfield spots in Tout Wars. And there was a time, actually, like right when they were first drafted, and I was apart from the consensus on this, but I considered Trevor Larnick a better prospect than Jared Kelnick. I mean, I guess the jury's still out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would rather have Brian De La, Cruz, De La Cruz as well. Yeah. Which I would assume the, the roster rates for those two are, are pretty divergent as well. When I first joined the Scott White Dynasty League, I guess it was two years ago now, three years ago. Three years ago, we did a supplemental draft. A couple of different teams got you know thrown it back into the player pool, and I drafted Trevor Larnick over Michael Kopech. And for a while, I felt terrible about it. And now I'm like, I don't know, maybe yeah, it'll work it's, out. So it's all right. Yeah, we'll see. Are you still out there too. Uh, yo, let's move on to Yoan Mukata was dealing with lower back stiffness, but will be good to go on opening day. Brian Anderson will play right field uh, quite a bit for the Brewers to start the season. Twins prospect Royce Lewis has been taking live at bats and will soon advance to base running. He was placed on the 60-day IL as he continues to recover from a second ACL surgery. If all goes well, we could see him sometime in June if the Twins really want to kind of slow roll it and make sure he's good to go. Maybe it's the second half of the season. But Chris, I think anywhere... Look, if you have a finite amount of IL spots, probably won't be able to hold on to Royce Lewis. But if you have a limited, why not? Why not take the shot? Yeah, if, if you don't have to make a decision, yeah, see what see what his timetable looks like. He was doing, you know, simulated games a couple weeks ago. So it seems like he's been, you know, making pretty good progress. Obviously he looked like a potential difference maker last year. So yeah, absolutely. If you've got any kind of roster spot to play with, I think he's uh, well worth a stash. Christian Pache, somebody who was a main piece in the Matt Olson trade has now been traded to the Phillies in exchange for a right-handed pitcher named Billy Sullivan. I looked into the minor league numbers. Not great last year. And he's a reliever. I have no idea what the A's are doing. I don't know that they know what they're doing. But this I mean, is where we're at. In a vacuum, Christian Pache absolutely does not seem like a player who belongs on a major league roster at this point. That's fair. That being said, like you mentioned, he was the one of the main pieces in a trade for a multi-time all-star. Literally a year ago. Maybe a year and like two weeks at this point. But, you know. So, like, it definitely raises some pretty tough questions about the process that led the A's to make the decision to trade for him and then let him go. But I think it's unlikely to matter for the A's. To let him go a year later. Yes, right? that's, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, I feel like this is, it's, it's not unprecedented. I'm sure something like this has happened before in baseball, mm -hmm. but it seems not great. For, from their perspective. The Yankees signed Franchi Cordero to a one-year split contract. I didn't really know what that meant until now. Uh, that will pay him $1 million while he's on the Major League roster. Doesn't really matter for now, but obviously the Yankees have a ton of injury-prone players, so 
if something happens, then maybe Franchi Cordero will matter at some point this season. Bunch of players officially placed on the IL. Tyler Glass now with that grade two oblique strain. Jared Walsh with headaches and Max Stassi with a left hip strain. Aaron Ashby with a shoulder. Tyrone Taylor with a right elbow sprain. Leody Tavares with a left oblique. And Griffin Canning with a groin injury, which means Tucker Davidson will serve as the Angels' sixth starter. Let's get into some sleepers for the weekend, and these are up on the site, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball, and uh, you'll find them every week. Scott writes up uh, sleepers for both hitters and pitchers for the following yep. week, and uh, so these are already live, and we'll start off with pitchers to stream this weekend, Scott. I think ideally, most people kind of have their lineup set, and they know what's going on, but you never know. Maybe injury struck, and they need to add a pitcher, whatever it might be. Who are some well, streamers you're looking at for this? Well, weekend? I mean, if, if you're just doing the, the four-day scoring period, which is the standard setting, the default setting, then you may need to pick up a, a, a sleeper pitcher just because all your pitchers aren't going over the four-day period. Most teams are playing just three games in those four days. So a lot of pitchers just aren't going to be starting. And um, that might open the door for you to pick somebody up. So... My favorite, who I'm surprised is only 65% rostered, is somebody we've talked about a lot, Tyler Anderson. He gets those athletics uh, for the opening weekend, their AAA lineup with or without Christian Pache. <laughs> so he's an easy call. Sonny Gray gets the Royals, another good matchup there. Graham Ashcraft, talked about him plenty. He gets the Pirates to start out. So, you know, he's no sure thing, obviously. But going against the Pirates, it, it makes it easier to roll the dice on him. Jared Schuster in his Major League debut gets the Nationals. So that's one to consider. Mitch Keller, another one we've talked about a lot. New cutter this spring was getting more strikeouts. He is facing the Reds. Um, in Cincinnati, so less less interesting. Yeah, but he's he's not a fly ball pitcher. But sure, it's, it's, it is a tough place to pitch. Um. Zach Eflin against the Tigers, good matchup. Didn't do much this spring, but you know we're, we're getting deeper onto the sleeper pitcher list here, obviously. Nick Martinez, who did have a pretty good spring, gets the Rockies in San Diego. Rockies tend to be a good matchup away from Coors Field. Eduardo Rodriguez at Tampa Bay. And um, I'm skipping some names here because I, I've had to update the list twice based on uh, pitching changes. Uh, so let me see what else I have here. David Peterson against the Marlins. Yeah. And Clark Schmidt against the Giants. You know, I'm not, I'm not super excited about that one. I guess I would say, let me, let me sum it up this way. Cause I'm just kind of throwing names at people. Tyler Anderson at Oakland, Sonny Gray at Kansas city, Graham Ashcraft against Pittsburgh, Jared Schuster against the nationals and Mitch Keller against the Reds. Those five, I would feel okay about starting the only one who's anywhere close to must start is probably tyler anderson at oakland but any of those five you know if you're if you're in a tight spot i'd be okay with it these others are more like emergency plays uh those last five i listed zach eflin nick martinez eduardo rodriguez david peterson clark schmidt the matchups aren't quite as good my confidence in them isn't quite as high but to give you 10 names those are the rest of the 10 names. <laughs> Friday night, I will be glued to the TV. A great pitching matchup, in my opinion. Maybe not everyone else's. Jesus Lazardo going up against David Peterson. So uh, I've, I've got those guys on quite a few teams. So I'm going to be, it's going to be a fun game to watch, at least for me. Teams that you want to stream against, stream your pitchers against this season. Uh, Chris, I'll just rattle off a bunch of these. You let me know what you think or if I missed anybody. The Tigers, the A's, the Marlins, sorry, the Pirates. The Nationals, the Royals, the Reds. What do you? What do you, We're probably streaming against the Reds, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't. I don't think there's much in the Reds that scares me. What about the Cubs? You know, it's, it's funny because a couple of people have gotten on to me about my Jake Fraley enthusiasm. Like, oh, he's going to look at his numbers against left-handers. They're obviously going to platoon him. Well, maybe, especially at the start of the year, it seems pretty likely they'll sit him against some lefties. But you look at the Reds lineup, Jake Fraley is probably going to be their best or second best hitter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's going to be hard to justify if, Like if he performs like I think he will, it's going to be hard to justify sitting him at some yeah, point. Yeah, like they have some guys we like, but Jonathan India was really bad last year. Spencer Steer is totally unproven. Jake Fraley has had a couple of interesting stretches, but has never done it for a full season. Like it's likely to be a pretty bad lineup. I, I will say like the Marlins are probably going to be a pretty bad offense. They may not be like the best team to stream against just because they did make a point of acquiring contact hitters and it True. might not be a lineup that strikes out a ton. True. Although, you know, Jorge Soler and obviously Garcia, you know, they'll <laughs> they'll do their part uh, to make sure. But yeah, that's that's one. Um, I think Detroit, even with the changes they made, I, I still think Baltimore is a decent one, especially at home. Yeah. It's just such a, a good home park now that like, I'm I drafted Cole Irvin in a couple of leagues because he's playing in Baltimore. Like I think that's that's a that's a situation you can take advantage of as well. I had the Cubs on the fringe there too, Chris. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's you know, with with Suzuki out, they're they're down uh, you know, one of their better bats. So I you know, we'll see. I we're skeptical of Dansby Swanson. I think Ian Happ is a slightly above average hitter. So yeah, I think the Cubs are a fine matchup for pitchers. Not not necessarily one you out of your way to chase, certainly not with a bad pitcher, but they're definitely not a team I'm avoiding. And of course, have to mention the Rockies on the road as well. I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Nick Pollock. Obviously at PitcherList on Twitter, I'm sure you've heard of him if you play fantasy baseball. He likes to call those starts Rocky Road. And I like that. Nice little shout out to Nick Pollock there. Uh, Scott, for the, for the long week, for the 11-day period, uh, I had these five players written down. I don't know if anything has changed for them, but it was Ashcraft, Schuster, Keller, Matthew Boyd, and Eflin as the the five you like for the long week as well. Yeah, so Matthew Boyd is out. Okay, because his the Tigers. Uh, I was just have I was just guessing what the Tigers' first uh, run of their rotation would be, and and Boyd's matchups aren't good now with where he's actually slotting. So I put Yusei Kikuchi in instead. Uh, most pitchers it's worth noting are making two starts over the 11 day scoring period. So you're less likely to need help off the waiver wire for it. Kikuchi's first matchup at Kansas city. Okay. We like that second at the angels. That's pretty scary. So it's, it's, it's not one that I'm recommending with a great amount of gusto, but he was missing bats like crazy this spring. It's easy to talk yourself into him again, especially when one of the matchups is as good as it is. Uh, at Kansas City is one of the toughest places to hit home runs. Uh, so, yeah, that's he's fifth among the players you could potentially pick up, the pitchers you could potentially pick up off waivers for the, the extra long version of week one, the 11 days. All right, well, let's quickly run through some of the sleeper hitters as well, Scott, for uh, this upcoming weekend. I know Jake Fraley is one of them for you going up against the Pirates. He's only 40% rostered. Who are some other names that you like over the weekend? So, uh, part of the reason I like the Reds is they're facing the Pirates pitching staff, so I like Spencer Steer as well as Fraley, uh, Will Myers. Uh, I also like the Rockies. Now, they are not at home which is generally not a good time to start Rockies hitters. But part of the reason it's not a good time to start Rockies hitters is because of what's known as the Coors Field hangover. They haven't played a Coors Field yet. There's going to be no, maybe there's a out, Cactus yeah. League hangover. I don't know. but <laughs> um, so And the, the, the thought there, and this has been borne out in, in a lot of studies, but basically that because the ball moves so differently in Coors Field, players need and you see this both with course with Rockies players the first series outside of cores and then even players who travel to cores it tends to be a little less robust but they just need time to adjust to the different way the ball moves out of a pitcher's hand so that that's the thought process behind the course field hangover it's it's a real it's a real effect and it's most potent the first couple of games after a series in cores and Scott to so, your, yeah, that- to your point about Rockies this weekend they're not facing the Padres ace pitchers either. They get Snell no. on opening day, but then they get Nick Martinez, Michael Waka, and Seth Lugo over the weekend. So yeah, Darvish isn't starting till the sixth game of the season, so they miss him. And uh, they're they're playing four games, which few teams are doing over the weekend. So I like Ezekiel Tovar as a sleeper. I like Elahiris Montero coming off the big spring as a sleeper. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, 
Jared Kelnick, the Mariners are facing the they're they're playing four games and they're facing nothing but right-handers in those four games against the Guardians. Toughest pitcher they're facing is Bieber, but the second toughest is Cal Quantrill. So some pretty good matchups there. Not a bad time to use Jared Kelnick. Uh, Adam Duvall with they're they're opening the year at Fenway Park, so we get to see how those towering flies of his play against the Green Monster. Plus, they're going against the Orioles pitching staff. Some pretty homer prone pitchers there. Cole Irvin himself is going in that series, so he's a good choice. Um, the Braves are facing the Nationals pitching staff, including a couple of really uh, homer prone guys in Patrick Corbin and Josiah Gray. So I have Marcelo Zuna here. I mean, you could think about Eddie Rosario too, I guess, though I get uh, two lefties on the schedule, so he might sit. But Ozuna had a pretty good spring. You know, obviously it's not the the most exciting play, but if it's if it's a five outfielder league especially and you're really hurting to fill that fifth spot, you could think about using him with those matchups. And the five hitters that I have written down for the longer week one scoring period, 11 days, Jake Fraley... Ezekiel Tovar, Elahiris Montero, Adam Duvall, and Oscar Colas. Sound good? Yeah, so even over the 11-day scoring period, the Red Sox have the best matchups. That's why Duvall's still in there. I will mention Oscar Colas, since I didn't mention him the first time around. Um, 10 games in those 11 days for the White Sox. And... You know, three-game series against the Pirates. Favorable enough matchups that you could... You'll probably want to have him in your lineup. And it's hard to project that far out to know how many lefties he's facing, but it sounds like Colas might sit against lefties to start. They don't know if he's going to be in the opening day lineup yet going up against mm-hmm. Framber Valdez, so just something worth mentioning for Oscar Colas. Let's take our second break, and uh, we'll get into... I have another news item that I missed that I want to talk about. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. New CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, you got here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. If you're looking for a podcast adventure, check out Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, a podcast where improvisers and comedians who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Dumb Dumbs and Dragons has been featured on the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, ranked number two of all fiction podcasts in America, and has been downloaded more than four million times. Dumb Dumbs and Dragons can be discovered anywhere hilarious podcasts can be found. It's like Lord of the Rings, if everyone was an idiot. Make sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at CBS Scott White at C Tower CBS and at Roto underscore Frank for me. There was a tweet from Jeff Passan a little bit before we went live here. Uh, breaking news that a deal is in place between the minor league players in the MLBPA and Major League Baseball on the historic first collective bargaining agreement for minor leaguers. Union officials tell ESPN deal is five years and includes at least two times pay at all levels of the minors. And I feel like details are slowly starting to trickle out even more about this deal. But at first glance, Chris, it seems like a good thing, right? If I mean, if minor leaguers are getting paid double what they were before, obviously it, it wasn't much anyway, but yeah. I feel like that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, the minor league pay scale, from what I understand, goes from around 20000 for players in complex leagues to uh, peaking at 38000 I believe, for players at AAA. So that is a significant pay raise. It's long overdue, and... The one notable thing that has come out seems to be that the list of player, the the amount of players you can have on your minor league in your minor league organization, outside of international, uh, I don't know what they refer to them as, international sites with complexes, whatever they call them, uh, is being whittled down from 180 to 165, which is in keeping with what has been a longer term trend of of winnowing the minor league rosters and and minor leagues down. So, you know, that that's one downside, but all in all, I think it's a positive thing for the players. All right. Well, let's get into some to stream or not to stream for opening day and for Friday. Uh, Scott, remind the people you hate this segment, right? I feel like whenever I bring this up in season, you're like, oh, man, 
why are we talking about these pitchers? They stink. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because uh, obviously it's it's not a one size fits all thing, right? I, I think the average user is rarely going to want to stream a pitcher ever because the pitcher's already on their roster. Like, it's it's a difference between assessing a pitcher by his primary characteristics versus secondary characteristics, right? It, it, there's a tendency to overstate the secondary characteristics over the primary characteristics. The primary characteristics being just how good is the pitcher. And that's that's much more important when it comes to your start-sit decisions. So saying you should start Mitch Keller at Cincinnati, uh, realistically, for the first week of the season, that's probably going to be a no for most people. But there is a portion of the audience that it would be a yes for. And so it, it... it's hard to contextualize it perfectly. And I think if we're just speaking to the majority, the answer for most streaming options is going to be no, if, if I explained that correctly. So it's, you know, I, yeah, it's, 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 it may sound like I'm overcomplicating things, but I just, I hate giving advice that is going to mislead people, you know? I get what you're saying, Scott, and I feel like I could clip out that entire answer you just gave me and just, use it to describe all of fantasy baseball analysis because there's so many different leagues. There's so many different formats. There's so many different size leagues out there too, that it's not a one size fit all, but mostly what we're doing with this and we'll probably wrap up every podcast usually with, with with this daily streamer segment. It's for daily lineup leagues. And it's most of the time it's people that are looking for volume when they're streaming pitchers. And realistically, you probably should not be playing these guys, but I'll bring it up anyway, because a lot of people email in and they say they want a segment like this. They yep, want to hear they, about they daily just, streamers. So uh, that, people like it. That is people what they like want. It. I just I just don't want to mislead the people. That's all. I get it. Opening day. You already mentioned, Scott, you know, Mitch Keller as a sleeper. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez at Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously coming off a big spring for him. So we'll see if he can keep that rolling. The only other two that I thought, you know, maybe you could talk yourself into Corey Kluber versus the Orioles or Kyle Gibson at the Red Sox. I can easily say no to both of those Chris I think Eduardo Rodriguez is really really interesting um, he had a great spring like you mentioned 21 strikeouts only three walks in 18 and a third innings that does not include uh, whatever he did during the world baseball classic which I know he made at least one appearance and the that's the more interesting thing he made one appearance in front of the stack cameras against Team Nicaragua on March 14th, and he averaged 93.6 miles per hour with his fastball through about 50 pitches that outing. That would be the highest average fastball velocity for Eduardo Rodriguez since 2016. His fastball velocity was down to 91.7 last year. It was 92.5 in 2021. Um, So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, remember with Eduardo Rodriguez, I, I know he was disappointing in 2021 and then bad last year and had the the time that he was away from the team as well. It's been a rough couple of years for him. I think he was dealing with a family issue last year. Didn't pitch at all in 2020 after having myocarditis as a result of a COVID infection. So, you know, it's possible that it just took him a little while to get back to back in shape. And he's been a pretty good pitcher in the past. So Eduardo Rodriguez, someone I have on a handful of teams and, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is not a great matchup. It's not a terrible one either. So I'm I'm very interested to see what he looks like tomorrow, today. To, to be clear, the no was to Corey Kluber and Kyle Gibson. Yep. Mitch Keller and Eduardo Rodriguez, I'm okay with. All right. On Friday, again, only five games on the schedule. Scott mentioned David Peterson as a potential sleeper at Miami. Nick Martinez versus the Rockies on the road. The only other name, Hunter Gaddis. <laughs> I, I assume this is a no. Uh, Hunter Gaddis at the Mariners. I don't know enough about what Hunter Gaddis is going to be yet to, to recommend that it's, it's, it is like just finding a, a pill, a pill on the sidewalk and deciding I'm going to take that pill and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, look, Scott, you've never been to a music festival, Uh-oh. but is that true? Scott, you've never been to a music festival. <laughs> Scott, have you ever been to a concert? Part? Um, I have. Yes. Okay. I've been to a concert or two. Well, now we have to know who it was. <sighs> I don't I don't even know. Somebody my wife took me to back before she was my wife and, you know, I had to act like I was interested in everything. 
<laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Sounds like the the, the Scout White experience while at a concert. Uh <laughs> Music festival. I don't know. If we're all ever in Florida together, I don't know, Chris. Maybe we we take Scott out for a music festival. And, Let's do it. <laughs> no sails on the sidewalk. Nope. No. No, Scott. Don't. No. Don't take the Hunter Gaddis. Do not do it. Uh, <laughs> before we before we wrap up here, Chris, you have an article out. What to watch on opening day? So, uh, what are some things that you're paying attention to, and specifically early on in the season? You know, what are you watching for when it comes to pitchers or? you know, hitters, maybe mechanics or, you know, strikeout rates or whatever it might be. Uh, what are you looking for? Yeah. So you should subscribe to the fantasy baseball today newsletter. I'm doing a, a little guest post for tomorrow. Um, that's kind of an opening day viewing guide. So I'm just giving you like one thing to watch for every game. A lot of it is lineup construction stuff. So like where does Anthony Volpe hit in the Yankees lineup? Uh, where does DJ LeMay hit stuff like that? Obviously, this is our first opportunity really to see closers, you know, which which ones are going to be first used. You know, we've got like, which one was it? Who are the A's playing? The Angels. We, we don't really know who the Angels closer are going to be. Well, they get the A's this weekend. So I think there's a pretty good chance we're going to see a couple of safes opportunities for the uh, Angels unless they, you know, blow the A's out, which they very well could. Uh, but hopefully they keep it close enough that, you know, we find out whether it's Jimmy Herget or or. Ryan Tapera or, you know, probably not Carlos Estevez, but, you know, we'll, we'll find some of that stuff out. And then on a more general note, you know, these new pitches that we've been talking about, Mitch Keller's cutter, Clark Schmidt's cutter, uh, Jamison Tyone's sweeper. I'm sure there are more interesting ones than those. Those just happen to be the ones that were at the top of my head. Uh, the velocity reading stuff like Eduardo Rodriguez, Reed Detmers, the, the ones that we've, we've been talking about all spring, seeing those carry on into, not just a 50 pitch outing, but a 90 pitch outing. Pablo Lopez, you know, his velocity was up about a mile and a half per hour. He's starting tomorrow. That's one of the things that I'm really interested in seeing is, you know, is he throwing 94 and a half miles per hour with his fastball on average? Um, and then, you know, the I'm really interested to see how like stuff like the shift restrictions are impacting like a team like the Dodgers who are really, really smart about how they shift. They've been a really, really great defensive team. Their team BABIP is like, it's like 20 points lower than any other teams over the last three seasons or something wild like that. They've just like been a huge outlier in that regard. And it makes like Julio Arias really good. I have some questions about the Dodgers defense this season, especially up the middle. So I think there's a, a lot to keep an eye on. And Hunter Green's pitch mix, that's another one. Is he, get, is he throwing that changeup? He talked about a lot, that a lot in the spring, but didn't really use it all that much. So lots to ch- keep an eye out on opening day and beyond. So I'm looking at Babbitt. Don't react to performance. <laughs> Babbitt, over the past three seasons, the Dodgers are at 257, most by far in baseball. Second on that mm-hmm. list, the Houston Astros, 274. That makes sense. So, so yeah, about 20 points. Yeah, yeah, near a 20-point gap there. Yeah, I'm going to double down, Chris, on a lot of what you said. Velocity, I want to pay attention to. Pitch mix changes. Not just are they using a new pitch, but are they using a pitch that's been effective in the past more mm-hmm. or less? I think that's something that's interesting as well. Playing time is going to be big as well. Uh, lineups, but also platoons. Who's platooning? Yep. Is Oscar Colas going to play against left-handed pitching? I think these are all things we need to pay attention to early I, on in the season. I will say... Um, not to overreact too much to to lineup stuff too because yes, there is a, there is a tendency for managers at the start of the year to to kind of want to get everybody's feet wet mm-hmm. and so we'll probably see more lineup variation at the very start of the year than we will by the end of April absolutely it's fair to say lineups are just a snapshot in time you know that's that's the one thing that it's easy to freak out about Anthony Volpe hitting ninth on opening day, which I think is what we're assuming we're going to see. We haven't seen that that roster that lineup yet, but if Anthony Volpe hits even 80% as much as the fantasy community thinks he will, he's not going to hit ninth all season. Now, he may not hit any higher than six. You know, that was kind of, even when Glaber Torres was really good, his plate appearance totals were, were re- really low relative to players of his caliber just because he always hit in the bottom third of the lineup. So, you know, that th- those things matter, but it's important to, to keep in mind that opening day, opening week, opening month, they're just snapshots in time. And players who play well will earn bigger opportunities. You know, if Oscar Colas doesn't start tomorrow, it doesn't mean he's not going to start against any lefties. He'll just potentially have to earn his spot. 
All right, let's wrap up the offseason with five emails in five minutes. Will wow. we get it done? Let's find out. This Man. one's from Anthony. Grade the trade in a 12-team head-to-head points league. Traded Fernando Tatis, Mackenzie mm. Gore, and Cole Irvin. Got back Ronald Acuna, Alex Ooh. Lang, and Adam Frazier. <laughs> I mean, in a 12-team head-to-head points league, there's a pretty good chance that this is an Acuna for Tatis trade. Yeah. Right. And so I'd rather have Acuna. I I, I think Alex Lang might be the second most valuable player. I mean, Cole Irvin, I think he'll probably be okay. And then Mackenzie Gore has some upside, but I I think you came out clearly ahead in this one. Getting Acuna for Tatis alone is is very good. I so think it's B. a I think I think it's a slight win. I'll go B minus. Scott? B. This one's from Trevin. A trade question. Head-to-head points league. 12 teams. Lance Lynn, Teoscar Hernandez, and Jonathan India for Kyle Schwarber and Brandon Lau. Which side wins? The, 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 I, mm, I think I the think, Schwarber side. but Yeah. It's, you know, 12-team head-to-head point league. Head-to-head points league is on the shallower end of the pool, I would say. Thinking about 250 players rostered. Uh, so obviously the Lynn Teoscar Hernandez side is getting the second and third best player, but I th- still think I'd just rather have the best player in Schwarber in and that size league. Let's not forget that Brennan Lau has a ton of upside of his own. India has upside too, but yeah, I yeah. would say Lau has more. You guys know I'm an India guy. I think, and I'm a Lance Lynn guy too. So I, I think I would stick with that side, but if you want Schwarber, you can listen to no, these. I think it's, I think no it's Frankie a two for one. Yeah, Frankie no. two for one special, right? No, the two for special. This one's from John. Would you rather have Matthew Boyd or Mike Clevenger in a head-to-head points league? Matthew Boyd, Boyd on CBS, by the way, does have SPARP eligibility. That would be the reason I would go with Boyd, yeah. Okay. I, I'd go with Boyd anyway. I just think there's, you know, it's it, he's highly combustible. It's, it's one of those total boomer bust plays, but the boom... I feel like is more interesting for Boyd with the strikeout potential he showed this spring and has shown in the past than for Clevenger at this stage of his career. This one's from Bubba. Ten teams, six by six categories, five keeper salary cap league, three outfielders. Would you trade Julio Rodriguez for Francisco Lindor, Kyle Schwarber, and Vinny Pasquantino? That's tough because only five keepers... There's no guarantee Pasquantino is one of your five best players, assuming that it's just keep your five best players. I mean, attempting league, presumably Pasquantino yeah. isn't, but we're not only thinking yeah. for considerations here. I mean, the, the season's just starting, so I'm presuming you're playing for right now. I, I mean, look, if, this is a huge return. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez is the best player. It's a really shallow league, 10 teams. And, and just as a rough rule... Just a rough guideline. The shallow, if it if it's a shallow league, the side getting the best player usually wins the deal. Mm-hmm. But Lindor, Schwarb, Schwarber, and Pasquantino are all still really good players who would be certainly Lindor and Schwarber would be must start even in a league that's shallow. Pasquantino, I mean, probably him also. I think I think it would I think you'd have to look at who you already have in those lineup spots. And yeah. say, is am I clearly upgrading all three of yes. these spots? And if you are, go ahead and do it. Give up the best player in Julio Rodriguez. But if you're not, then uh, then don't. Isn't there something just to talent acquisition, though, Scott? I mean, I hear what you're saying, and that was my inclination too: is make sure you're upgrading. But I mean, if you're just acquiring the most talent, doesn't it still make sense to do it? There's an argument to be made there. I mean. Oh. You, you anticipate in this league keeping Julio Rodriguez for the next decade, but yeah. it's not necessarily going to play out that way. Six by six category. I actually wrote, I wrote down the current first baseman is Vargas and the current shortstop is Ezekiel Tovar. So. Oh, I don't know what happened then, that you, that you ended up with those as your starter in a 10-team league. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think you definitely do this yeah. trade if that's the yeah. case. Yeah, I think so. This last one's from Jeff. Hey, guys, needing to IL Adalberto Mondesi in an eight-team AL-only league with no bench spots, limited to doing only a uh, middle infielder. Would you go with Jonathan Scope, Tony Kemp, David Hensley, Mauricio Dubon, uh, Aledmus Diaz, or Kike Hernandez? 
Uh, I I think I would lean. I think I'd lean Kike Hernandez just with an everyday job, even though he's likely to bet towards the bottom of the Red Sox lineup. The Alenmis Diaz is a weird one. Do we think he's going to play every day? He is, I think, the Ash, the Athletics' highest paid player. I think they said he was going to be a short side platoon with Nick Allen yeah. at shortstop, but they could probably play Alenmis Diaz in the outfield too. Maybe DH him. Yeah. Scott, do we have any update on on who's going to play second base for the Astros? Because if it's Hensley, I think I would want him from this group. I think it's going to be it's going to start out based on matchups, specifically the Astros own pitching staff. So like Framber Valdez, right. ground ball specialist, biggest ground ball pitcher in the game. They're probably going to go with the defensive-minded Mauricio Dubon. Mm-hmm. But then maybe when they start Christian Javier, big fly ball pitcher, they'd go with Hensley. I think if Hensley hits well enough, he eventually just becomes the guy. But in an AL-only league, if, if you wanted more secure at-bats, I, I could understand going with Jonathan Scope or Kiki Hernan- Kike Hernandez instead. Mm-hmm. I think me in an eight-team AL only league, I, I'd roll the dice on Hensley. But okay, it's up to you. All right. Well, five questions in six and a half minutes. I kind of bogged That's us down. Pretty good. Bit. It's not bad. We slowed. We slowed way down on the last two. I know. Yeah, we we were making <laughs> some good time. Anywho. We're going to wrap there. I just want to give a big shout out to everyone who watched us, listened to us this all season. Send us an email, send us in nights notes, Apple podcast reviews, just making all of this possible. It, it's been an awesome, awesome off season and lots of draft prep and, and lots of fun. And, and now the, the fun is about to pick up even more with the season starting. So shout out to you, the listeners and the, and the people who watch us and, and keep us going here. So really do appreciate it. It's opening day. Let's uh, let's get it. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow on opening day with a recap. Bye-bye. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.